podcast. My name is Tim Peterson. I'm the senior media editor at Digiday. And I'm Kaylee Barber, media editor at Digiday. So Kaylee, this week we conclude our creator series, a four-part series we've been running since last month, um, looking at individual video creators. And we've had creators whose main platforms have been YouTube and TikTok and Twitch. And now for this week, we have Instagram in the mix. And so you spoke with Katie Sands, who has a blog, but also has an Instagram account. Um, Does Katie consider herself like an Instagram creator? I feel like Instagram creator isn't a term that's like as common as YouTube star or TikTok star, Twitch streamer. Right. Well, I think with Instagram, the first thing that comes to mind is influencer. And she definitely has like an influencer, um, you know, element to her job. But she goes beyond that because she's also a host for Amazon Live, um, like a shopping host. And so she's been able to really kind of extend that traditional influencer um job into different platforms. And actually in the interview, she talks a lot about how having a blog is really important because it's something that you are um, like, uh, like it's an owned and operated platform, right? So you're not beholden to like algorithm changes or beholden to a larger company contracting you to work. It's something that she can do that has more control in it. Um, But then you add in the other platforms to help grow the audience across all of those things. And then it it leads her to do things like the Amazon live shopping. And then she's also been an on-air host for like the Today Show and things like that. So yes, she is an Instagram creator, but she has been able to build well beyond the scope of Instagram, um, which I think we're seeing in, in the past episodes from the series, we're seeing a lot of creators thinking about that cross-platform strategy and how important diversifying yourself really is. Yeah, I feel like creators were like kind of early to the whole diversification strategy, like even before a lot of publishers. It was like a decade ago where that was like a big trend among YouTube Mm -hmm. creators specifically, and I think it's transferred to other creators. And I imagine like being diversified and not as vulnerable to specific platform changes can be probably really advantageous or beneficial when it comes to Instagram because Instagram's undergone a lot of platform changes. You know, there was the change from the reverse chronological feed to the algorithmically curated feed, which threw a lot of creators for a loop. And then there's, you know, more than there was the, you know, from feed to stories and more recently from stories to reels. And there's, you know, also last year, the change of like, you know, oh, is Instagram a photo platform? Well, not so much. Now it's more of a video and, you know, even more specifically Reels platform since IGTV didn't really work out. Did, you know, Katie talk about like, you know, what, you know, specifically on Instagram she's prioritizing? Like, is she going all in on Reels? So we do talk about Reels a bit. It's not a platform that she feels super into, but she'll, she'll do it if a brand is asking her to. And she finds that a lot of brands ask her to, which is interesting. Um, but we talk a lot about actually the role of, of brand partnerships and how she's, um, you know, her blog is called Honestly Kate. Her her account is called Honestly Kate on Instagram. And um, she talks about how she's really particular about the brands she works with because she wants to keep that like honesty um, core to to her you know, output and and that includes brand partnerships. So um, she's transparent about the fact that like Reels isn't really her favorite thing to do, but 
you know, with brands that she's happy to work with and likes the products, she'll she'll do it. Um, but yes, to your point, there has been a lot of changes around Instagram. And I do agree that creators had to kind of do it earlier, the diversification that we're talking about, because they're so close to it. Like their whole livelihood is kind of at will with, with what the platforms decide to do. So you have to be really nimble. And I think we've definitely seen that from this, you know, series this year. Yeah, no, I think it's been a great series. So I'm excited to check out this interview that caps it all off. So thanks, Kayla. Thanks, Tim. Katie, thank you so much for joining us on the Digiday podcast. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for all the rescheduling, everything that has gone into making this happen today. So I'm very, I, I'm such a fan of the podcast. So I'm excited to be a guest on it today. Amazing. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. And we are obviously doing this podcast as part of our creator series. And I, this episode is really kind of anchored to, or it's meant to be anchored to Instagram. I know you have a very large Instagram following of about or over 300,000 followers. So that's definitely sizable. You're also the host for Amazon Live, which is a new area that I'm really interested in in learning more about. I feel like it's such a fascinating like push into commerce that we're starting to see in the industry and really wanted to dig into that. But before we get into all that, um, I'd love it if you could just kind of give us a little background about what platforms you're on, what your, I guess, how you define your job too, because you are in these, you know, different areas right now. Absolutely. Well, I kind of define my job as some uh, kind of two in two different parts. One is that I'm the founder and creator of lifestyle blog, Honestly Kate, which has its own blog presence and a website, which I think is really important. I kind of will get into that a little later. Maybe for all creators should have their own website because we don't own Instagram. We don't own our Facebook. And that's super important, no matter what you're going into in the blogosphere. And then I'm also an on-air style host for Amazon Live. Um, the Today Show, Good Morning America, and I've kind of gone in more into the streaming route than more traditional TV. And it's been really interesting because I feel like it's the way of the future. So it's kind of been a learning lesson for all of us on at Amazon Live, especially because we started it during the pandemic. Well, right before, and then the next week, everything shut down, the studio shut down, and we were doing it from our homes. And what I what I have found as a talent on the show, and I think what the producers found was that the audience liked it even more because they were seeing us use the products and talk about, um, you know, the clothing items and the home good products and the tech products, but how we would actually, but seeing how we would actually use them in the comfort of our own home in everyday life, which was different than having it set up in a studio. So it felt a lot more authentic to, I guess, the Amazon followers and the audience. Got it. So Obviously, you have a lot going on, um, and I know right now you're traveling, but I'm curious what like maybe an average day in your life looks like, um, which I feel like could be very different. But like, let's say you were going into the studio one day because now you're back in studio for Amazon Live. Um, what does like a, a day in your life kind of look like at this point? I feel like it's a trick question almost because a day of my life is different every single day. I think that's anytime you're, you know, creating your own company and your own path in this whole digital space, it's going to be different every single day. Um, but the days I'm in studio, I'm usually there early in the morning. So probably by seven o'clock, I'll get to the Amazon studio or the NBC studio, wherever I'm filming that day. And then you kind of have this sit around and wait game, which happens for like about two to three hours while you're doing tech tests and you're doing um, styling sessions and you're getting your um, models in order. 
And then I'll usually be live for anywhere between an hour to three hours with breaks in between. Then I come home. I work on my partnerships for that week. I film like product partnerships, whichever ones I'm working with. Currently, I'm working with Shiseido and CL Beauty, and I'll film that content from the comfort of my own apartment. And then I usually catch up with my team, see what's going on. And then I'm usually heading out to a wedding. So that has kind of been my life for the past six months. And it's only going to continue to get crazier and crazier as like things start to open up and more in-person events are happening. So that is a typical day in my life. I try to squeeze maybe a workout in there somewhere just to like feel mentally and physically sane. And then I'll hang out with my dog and take her to the park. And then I, then I'm home just gearing up for the next day, preparing my script, preparing all my products, getting my models in order. And it kind of repeats in similar fashion to that every day with like a little bit of differences in all the days, because I'm talking about different topics, preparing different scripts and so forth. That sounds like a very extremely busy day. Um, (laughs) But I am curious. So you have all of these, again, like different like platforms that you're on, different um, businesses that, I mean, you run your blog, you're, you're working with Amazon, you're, you're on air for, you know, different television shows from time to time. What, I guess, how did you get into all of that? Like, where did that kind of take off? Were you running your blog and you kind of gained steam and gained momentum to get into these other platforms? Or were you already like doing on-air styling and and built a following that way? Like, how was your entry into this space? So I've actually always wanted to be on air. That's kind of what I wanted from the beginning. And I had built my Instagram account and my blog just as a fun hobby on the side, because I also loved fashion and I loved styling and I loved giving recommendations to friends. So I was in a grad program when I had graduated from undergrad, um, for theater production, mostly the production side of things. So sound design, lighting design, costume design, um, which I know is very shocking because I'm probably the least tech savvy person on the face of the planet. So the fact that I even have a job in streaming is like the funniest thing that ever happened to me. Um, so I built this following online, mostly on Instagram. That's where my biggest following is. And through it, I was able to start auditioning for different styling segments on air, starting with NBC, a lot of local channels like New York Live. I was doing a lot of styling sections. And then this um, opportunity came up with Amazon Live when Amazon pitched that they were going to start their own streaming program and they were looking for style hosts. They were looking for hosts that were chefs. They were looking for tech hosts. They were looking for a range of wide variety of different hosts that had an Instagram presence so that they can help with cross promotion on social media and their new Amazon live page. And I had auditioned for it right before the pandemic. And then we, I got the job along with about like 10 other hosts. We're all really different. We all have different, um, you know, some of us are cooks. Some of us are, you know, they do the stress tech tests on their live show and they put us all together and then everything shut down and we were all separated again and we were all doing it from our apartments and it kind of just gained momentum from then. And as you know, streaming is everywhere now and so many different companies are taking on their own streaming platform. And I'm even seeing it with some of the bigger network TVs are now hosting or trying to put together their own streaming platforms. We see, um, 
different fashion outlets putting their own streaming platforms together. I know like Moda Operandi is doing it. I know YouTube is doing it, their version of it. Of course, Instagram has their live channel where you can now shop on Instagram. So it's just really taking off as a way to shop products in a more authentic setting. And I think why people love it and why they really, it really took off really fast was there's no editing process. So everything you're seeing is in real time. I make mistakes all the time. I say the wrong thing. I try to put on a dress and maybe it doesn't zip all the way. And you're seeing this, this real reaction to the products and nothing about it is, you know, edited or editorial. It's more just real and authentic. And I think that's why people love it. So you mentioned that you create scripts. Um, is that for like live streams then? Or, I mean, I know you have to probably curate the products you're trying in a, in a, specific stream, but how like how much planning goes into the stream and what does an actual kind of segment like look like from a timing perspective and, you know, where you're actually filming it? Like what's the set kind of look like? I'm curious if you could kind of do an overview of yes. what the actual content is. I feel like I should also send you pictures of my sets because it's just what it is, is a mess of products and boxes in the front of me. And then the, what you what the audience is seeing is just me with like a clear background, ring lights, like very lit situation happening. But what's actually happening is chaos. Um, so this, I create these scripts for really any live stream, Instagram live that I'm doing just for something to follow along. So they're usually between 30 minutes to an hour. And I have to talk about, let's say it's five products and I don't want to forget the names of the products. I will make a script just giving me a timeline of where I'm supposed to go and what I know I need to hit on, but it's not very detailed. Of course, it's like, it's definitely more of an organic conversation because we have a live chat feature and we want to chat with the audience when they say, Oh, I love the dress that you're wearing. What size are you wearing? I want to be able to respond to them in real time and say, Hey, maybe I'm in a small, but it's a little tight on the bus. So if you're have bigger bus, I would size up a size, or maybe they're saying, Hey, we see you're talking about the new waterproof speaker for your boat from JBL. Let's say, can we see, uh, can we see you put it in a glass of water to see if it's really waterproof and I'll go and get a glass of water or a bowl of water and do it in real time. So the scripts are definitely very loose. It's just making sure that I'm hitting the proper points and talking points that I need to get out there that I don't want to forget about. It's the same thing like in um, network TV when there's a teleprompter. Of course, you can go off the teleprompter and maybe go a little more rogue, but you want to make sure you're hitting the key points. Gotcha. Okay. And how many days a week are you streaming currently? Currently, my schedule has been a little crazy um, just because of travel and work. And I just had my own wedding that we had three weeks ago. So Usually it's between, thank you so much. Usually it's between, I was doing streams four times a week, um, with different partnerships mixed in there. And now I'd say for the past like three weeks, it's probably been like one to two times a week. We're trying to get back to four, but I'm just never home. So once I'm home and more stable, it's, it is easy. What I love about streaming is you can really do it anywhere. But what's hard is when you have products and you're sponsored by different products, I can't really send those products to wherever I am. So that I really need to be home for. And then do you have like a following that's built into just the Amazon Live like piece of it, like return viewers and things like that? Or is it mostly people that you are 
I don't know, engaged with in another platform, right? It's like, I guess, I don't know if you could really tell the crossover between Instagram and Amazon, but I am curious, like, have you been able to hone a following of people who regularly go to Amazon Live? So actually, we can see a lot of people who follow just the Amazon Live page because they'll be able to follow my personal page on Amazon. Just when I'm live, they can click my name and you can follow my creator page is what it's called. And essentially, it's another type of social media platform. So what it's doing is creating your own page through Amazon. And I know other streaming platforms are starting to create something similar. So I can see what followers from the Amazon live stream are following my creator page versus some followers. I know there's a lot of cross promotion are coming from Instagram and I'm always announcing when I'm going live on streaming on Instagram and I know they'll tune in and maybe they won't necessarily follow the creator page, but through my creator page, I can actually see who's buying what products. I mean, not the specific people, but I can see like who's, what products are being bought and how many, and if they were being bought during the live stream versus just people looking at my creator page. Interesting. Okay. And so I I am curious, like how big is the audience for a live stream right now? And you mentioned you can kind of see like transactions or conversion rates through it. Like how... I guess, successful are these live streams and actually converting people to become shoppers? Because I feel like it is a huge industry in like China and in Asia right now. It's starting to become a bigger industry in the US, but I still feel like the pickup is is not at the same cadence as, you know, other areas of the world. What are you seeing as like early trends and early kind of like adoption of of live stream shopping? I mean, I'm obviously I'm not on the back end as a producer, but I just can see how many people are tuning in as like the talent on the live stream. So I'm seeing anywhere like the minimum a thousand people like at a time are tuning in to anywhere to a thousand to 20,000 people, which is a lot, I think, for a new platform for people to tune in while it's live. Because then, of course, these streams are being listed on the Amazon page for maybe a week to two weeks and you can go back and watch them. And I know, of course, people then go back and watch them if they can't actually watch it during the live stream. But when it's actually live, I'm, I think it's an incredible, like a huge number considering like we do them at random times during the day. So people might be on the computer. Sometimes I have friends like shopping through Amazon and they're just buying like their daily groceries or household items. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're live. And they'll click on my little video, like on the homepage and they'll just be like, hi, Katie. And they'll tune in and Um, some people will tune in, you know, just for a couple minutes while they're shopping, getting their things done, their errands done on Amazon and then tune back out. But maybe they want to watch the whole segment later because it's a product that they love or they've been wanting to try. Um, I've done streams where I've talked about like my favorite hair products and like demonstrated hair tutorials. And then they want to go back and see it. And sometimes those live streams will then live on the product pages, which I think is also really interesting. I've seen that happen pre live streaming in the U S with Sephora, where I've recorded videos for Sephora on different products and then they've lived on their shopping page. So I feel like that was like an entrance into live streaming. And now people are really going to the product pages, not just to read the reviews, but to watch it in action, the product. You mentioned a few different categories. I know you have interest in style um, and lifestyle as well, but I am curious if like, so you, um, I'm not sure if this was like actually said while we were recording, but you are going to like a ton of weddings this year. So like yes. that's part of your life. And like as like a, you know, you're a host, your job is very kind of dependent on your schedule. But like 
I'm sure weddings are on your mind even after yours like quite a bit. Like does that influence the categories that you bring up in like a live stream or that you're posting about on your Instagram page or on your blog when you're working with different brands or even like getting into some of the more, you know, commerce centric posts? Like have you been able to kind of been be flexible with the categories that you're, you know, really speaking to or touching on based on, you know, what's going on with you as an individual right now? Absolutely. I try to really keep it relevant to my real life because I know it's the reason that I have followers on Instagram. They want to see what I'm doing in real time. They want it to be extremely honest and authentic to me, which is why my social Instagram name is honestly Kate. Cause I felt like I wanted to be that, um, that bridge in the sphere of, you know, these sponsored products and content, but then also be really real about it and why I like it and show how I use it in my everyday. So In the wedding realm, I am not only a guest um, for 22 weddings this year, but I also had my own wedding. And I we did a few streams on like registry must-haves and like what you should buy as a guest if you're going as a guest that's single versus if you're going as a couple versus if you're going to a destination wedding. And we really got into that. And I think I did that stream with two of we did two separate streams, one with Mako, and I'm pretty sure I did one with my co-host Jordan. And we got into the details on what you should be doing as a guest. We also talked about how to set up a registry on Amazon, which I think was very helpful to so many Amazon viewers that maybe wanted to do that themselves and didn't want to set it up on Bloomingdale's or you know, there's so, there's so many old school ways to set up a wedding registry. And we talked about like, this is the new wave of it. This is the modern saga registry. So that was really fun. We also, of course, do style segments on what to wear. I talk about how to style this dress that retails under $50, five different ways. So you can wear it to different um, weddings as a guest. And then as of course, as a bride, I talked about like what you need for your bridal party, what you should be gifting them, what you're going to need for yourself the day of. And it's not just clothing, right? It's anything from like an emergency hangover kit to you need certain band-aids to wear with your shoes so that you don't get blisters. It's so I feel like with Amazon specifically, as we know, it's like your whole world can live on Amazon in so many different aspects. So I can really touch on all those aspects and bring them into the stream, have them under the carousel, no matter what the topic of the day is. Got it. Got it. And yeah, so I think that like that blog and Instagram piece of your job is also really influential of like to your point like how people are I don't know identifying with it and like maybe they're going through the same thing maybe they also have an abundance of weddings this year like I think it's because you had touched on this like the honestly Kate part of it is like people want to have a very deep understanding of who you are and I feel like for influencers and content creators on a variety of platforms like the ones who can make the most conversions are the ones who are really showing how it the product fits in their own life or has benefited them in some way like I've noticed that on like YouTube as well and so like getting into that like Instagram side of things because I know you had mentioned like people like real-time updates of what you're doing. They want to see like a look into your life and, you know, Instagram's really great at, at allowing for that. Can you talk about how you've built up your Instagram presence and and who really like your audience is on that platform, how you interact with them on that platform and just like what the, I guess, Instagram part of your job is like, like how involved is it? 
I mean, it is the most involved part of my job. And what is really wild about it is that, like I said earlier, I don't own Instagram. I don't own my platform, my creator page on Instagram at all. And so that actually scares me a little bit. And I think it should for all creators because that can go away tomorrow. And we should all be posting on a site that we own. So for me, I own a .com. I own a website with, you know, my Instagram name as the title. But that is where I try to put a lot of my content and log my content on because so much of what I'm posting on Instagram could truly disappear in the morning. And I think that's really scary for so many creators. So I would say as much as I try to get away from Instagram and try to get away from any of these social channels that are really benefiting my career right now, I can't because that is where most of the following goes because they they find it very obviously user-friendly, very accessible, and it's not as accessible as logging onto someone's website and checking out what they're posting daily. So it's something that I don't think is going away anytime soon. I think it's really important to keep up with your Instagram and update it. Even after my wedding, it was very hard because I wasn't allowed to post anything with any wedding content because it was under embargo until a certain article came out. And I felt like the full week I was letting down my audience because they were so enwrapped in this whole wedding process with me as a guest, as a bride, moving through the process with dating life, which is a lot of what most of my audience asks me about. And I'm not a dating expert whatsoever, but I can only give my own thoughts and what I went through myself but that is what they want to know. So they want to be updated in real time. They don't care if it's very edited or curated. They just want the real content of my everyday life. And I think that's what so many creators have. And that's why they've been so successful and been able to create, you know, their own businesses out of social media, which I find still fascinating because although it's been an industry that's been around for, you know, more than 15 years now, it's still so relatively new in the grand scheme of things in, in, as opposed to like the finance industry, um, the fashion industry, the tech industry, like it's still such a new industry and people still don't know what goes into it, how creators are monetizing, how they are creating bigger platforms for themselves on other channels, how creators are making Amazon accounts and creator pages and making money from that. And I find it really fascinating because there's so many different parts and pieces that you can be a part of. And I wish there was a giant book called like Influencers for Dummies on all the things that go into this industry, because it's not just the talent in front of the screen. There is six people that work behind me, behind the screen, and they work harder than me every single day to get my content out there to get it done. And I find it so fascinating. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Let's talk more about your team, because you mentioned like even earlier um, that part of your day is really checking in with them and, and kind of getting like a, a an update, I'm sure, you know, strategizing with them. Who was on your team and like, I guess, what are their roles? How did they support you in the day to day? So when I first started, I had an assistant and that assistant was helping me just create the content because I can't really create my own content because I can't, I can video myself, but I can't really take photos or do anything that's just not self taped. Um, so I had an assistant working with me that was doing all of that, also sending emails out and pretending, you know, I originally, when I first created my page, made a fake email that was like Olivia at IamHonestlyKate.com. And it was really me. I was my own assistant. Then I finally hired someone to take over that role and just, you know, check in with brand partnerships, see what needed to be done, look at the contracts. 
And once my following started growing on Instagram, of course, I had to work with someone who also had a legal in-house legal counsel because that is most of my day is spent looking at legal contracts with partnerships and different brands. So I signed with an agency at the time it was called Abrams. Now it's called A3. And on that side of things is my agent. So my agent is named Sophie. I've been with her four years, which I don't know where the time has gone. And she has a whole team of her own that is working on our daily partnerships, not just with me, but with her other clients as well. Um, so that's really like the legal side of things. And she does all my contracts for Amazon and the Today Show and anything that I am working with that needs a non-compete being signed needs obviously payment to be looked over and signed and they handle everything on that end of things. Then of course I have my photographer who helps me with all my brand partnership content making. So she does photography. She also does video editing for me and she works on that. So I'll try to work with her like once every two weeks and try to get as much content as we can during that time period. So I'll take a whole day to just film projects, um, shoot projects outside and hope to get everything we need done for the next like week or so. And then I have my PR team, which is relatively new. Um, I feel like people don't talk about this enough because maybe they want to pretend they don't have one or just want to get around the subject. But I think it's really important to be really honest about what you're doing and sharing it with the world because people want to know and also they might want help for themselves. And my PR team will help me with anything that I'm doing press related. Um, now that, you know, I talk more for a living and I'm more on air and less being edited and just showing a picture. It's really important to have a team that's just helping you navigate, making sure if you say something accidentally that you can, you know what to say in response as a recovery that, you know, just how to navigate the press world because it's something I don't know how to do. And sometimes I'm a little too honest and we'll share a little too much. And that has been a problem for me at times, like, um, contractually where I'm like not supposed to say something and then I say it and then they, they really help me navigate that world, which is very new to me. So those are the people that I work with daily and I'm constantly talking to them like 24 seven. Got it. That it's great that you have like such a, a strong team behind you. Cause I feel like a lot of, um, creators, still try to do a lot themselves. And like yes. th- the last creator series we did, like uh, there was some people who are just starting out and they really were just kind of trying to do like the accounting themselves and like the the editing of their products themselves. And like that wasn't their, that wasn't what they did before coming into this space. So it naturally is a very hard learning curve. And I feel like it takes a lot of time to develop those skills. So if you can have a team behind you, it makes a lot of sense to do so. Yes. And I, I also don't think a lot of people realize how many people go behind the scenes and, and help get some of the product products exactly. and projects off the ground. And I also yeah. think people but, don't realize that um, I, at least I didn't for the first like two years when I started that I needed a team because I wasn't going to grow or scale my business if I didn't have other people helping me and navigating this world because I was like, oh, I can do it all myself. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a solopreneur. And I was really like on that bandwagon of being like, I'm a solopreneur. I can do it all on my own. Like I am rock star and you can't, you can't, well, at least you can't scale your business on your own at all. You need help. You need to ask for help. You need to stop trying to do things on your own. That's so important. I mean, learn from my mistakes. Who's ever listening that that is not something that will work in the long run. If you want to scale your business to, you know, whatever your goal is. And 
that some that was a big learning lesson for me that even though you might be spending investing more in you know hiring a team and hiring people to work for you up front hopefully and you only hire people so that you hope it can be a better bigger better and bigger return in the long run got it yeah absolutely and so i want to touch on the brand partnership side of things cuz we haven't really like gotten into the weeds of where you work with brands, like whether it's just your blog and Instagram or if you have crossover to Amazon Live or really like how significant brand partnerships are to you as like, you know, a means of making money. Because I feel like a lot of revenue, unless you're in like a creator fund or um, you have passive income from like YouTube or something like that, it's really the brand partnership side that is significant. You also have the commerce piece of it and like the affiliate side, which is I'm sure, you know, a, a significant area as well. But when it comes to brand partnerships, who do you, like maybe category wise, like who do you tend to work with and where are you focusing those brand partnerships? So brand partnerships are really like the bread and butter of the whole blogosphere, the whole influencer marketing agency. So I'm working with a lot of brand partners, mostly in the beauty and fashion space. Um, and those brand partnerships are, you know, negotiated with my team, like I mentioned earlier, and they are seeing what brand partner that a lot, mostly I would say 99% of the brand partnerships come organically because it's a product that I'm already speaking about in just more of an organic fashion on my page, whether it's a clothing brand that I'm currently wearing to a lot of events or weddings, or if it's a product that I keep touching or like holding up in my post. And then we'll reach out to the brand and say, Hey, what's your budget? We would love to work with you on a much bigger scale. Do you have anything? Do you have any budget allocated for the next few months so that we can work together? And I really do like to work with brands on a long-term partnership. I find that one site, whenever I do like a one-off partnership, it never really is successful because people want to see that you're using it continuously throughout the year, throughout different seasons, throughout different points in your life. And I've really noticed that with my following. So I'll always try to pitch a long-term partnership between six months to a year. And I've seen a lot more success in those obviously than some one-off partnerships. Um, so currently I'm working with, you know, a bunch of different beauty brands, which is amazing. So whenever like the beauty brand has a skincare brand has a new launch for whatever month that is, I'll come on and start talking about the newest product and why I'm using it. And I always test out the products for at least three months in advance before agreeing to any partnership, because I want to make sure that I can use it in my oh, wow. everyday. And even though I love the brand, of course, I might not like the new product that they use. And when it's something that you're using on your face and your skin, it's so important to test it out prior Whereas when it comes to a fashion brand, I either like the clothes or I don't like the clothes. It's not as extensive a research for me. Um, and I don't really feel like I have anything that I need to prove with that because it's either I want to style that dress or I don't like it. So those usually, the beauty partnerships usually are much longer commitment. Um, but I find that, you know, the money in the industry is in the beauty industry. And I, I think that's interesting that it's not as much in the fashion industry anymore. It's really in the skincare space. Um, so my brand partnerships will usually come out that way. And it's usually anywhere between like three to four frames on stories on Instagram and then a static post, maybe going live with the brand. And it, it always ranges. And then we always sign like something to do with whitelisting so that the brand can use the content that I've made. And that's a whole extra part of any partnership. Then when it comes to live streaming, we also have partnerships on different live streams, but usually that will go through like the host. So if it's Amazon, they will 
they will do a, um, Amazon. I, I worked with Levi's on Amazon where the Levi's team is paying Amazon to sponsor the stream, but I am the talent in the actual Levi's clothing and talking about Levi's. But then on the side, I'll partner with Levi's on my Instagram and post on Instagram and say, Hey guys, I'm going live with the Levi's team today. Tune into our live stream for all of the latest juice. Um, but so I will be paid separately for my Instagram, but I'm not being paid by the Levi's team for Amazon. Amazon's being paid directly. And then I am just being paid a talent fee. So it's a lot of crossover and a lot of in, in a good way, but it's actually very confusing when it comes to like the contracts and the contractual side of everything and how you can be paid. And when it comes to even morning TV networks that I've been hosting on, I'm not allowed to actually use any of the brands that I've been paid for in the last six months on the show because of the network contracts. I still think that that's very old school and that there's going to be something that comes out that says that they should actually use some of the partnerships I've been working with because I already have relationships with the brand and then we can have more crossover promotion. But that's something like I've been pushing a little bit here and there, but I understand it's very hard to like navigate this new partnership sphere when it comes to TV, social media, streaming, and like where things can collide and work together seamlessly and where they really butt heads. So you had mentioned for the long-term deals that you have with certain beauty brands, like if there's a product that comes out that you're like, this doesn't work for my skin, or maybe the the outfit doesn't like fit my body the right way, or it's not something that really resonates with me. How do you navigate that part of it? Because if you have a long-term deal, I imagine that there's certain expectations that are built into the contract. Yeah. Like, are you able to say like, you know, this month, I don't really think is a great month to do it. Let's, you know, reconvene next. Like what's that kind of, how does that in, impact everything? Luckily, I'm on a space in my career where some of my brand partnerships have been people that I've worked with for now a couple of years. So they really do trust my insight and they want my honest opinion on the product. So maybe if I don't like a certain product or if I don't use a certain product myself, I will say, Hey, this product isn't really working for me. It doesn't really fit into what I'm doing or where I'm going or what I'm showcasing, but I love this other product you have. Can I show that one instead? And I'd say nine times out of 10, the brand will agree because they want me to speak honestly about the product and they want me to obviously use and love the product themselves because that's only benefits their brand as well. So I've actually, I've really never had a problem when it comes to like switching up products or just like having open conversations with the brands. My team's very, um, that my team's incredible about letting me speak directly with the brands also with them, of course, on there just to make sure they have everything written down and know what I'm supposed to be doing. But I'm constantly on phones with the brands that I'm working with or on zoom with the brands I'm working with, just discussing what kind of partnership, what the partnership will look like for that month. So for example, I worked with Stuart Weitzman for my wedding and I've been working with Stuart Weitzman for three years. So it was such a natural and organic partnership that I would wear the Stuart Weitzman shoes for my wedding. And I have a pair of shoes from them that I've been wearing forever. Like I think for like the past 10 years, like they're my go-to shoes. Like anytime, like they get a little scuffy, I bring them to the shoemaker. I'm like, salvage these shoes because they don't make them anymore. And they're my number one heel that I wear to everything. And they ended up making a pair of shoes that were like the newer version of the shoe that I was wearing. So I was like, of course, I'm going to wear that to the wedding and then talk about the story behind it and how this is like the updated newer version that the designer made for the brand. And of course I was going to wear that. And it wasn't necessarily the shoe that they had wanted me to wear because it wasn't like their newest shoe they were promoting, but they were so open and open with me about actually talking about the other shoe instead. And we, it ended up doing really well for them, um, with product sales. So 
that's all the brands really want at the end of the day, right? Is to sell their products. So if I can be so ecstatic and talk about the product that really works for me, they're going to, you, hopefully they're going to want to do that kind of partnership instead of one of pushing product that maybe I necessarily wouldn't wear. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then getting into like the product sales as well, I am really curious about how many transactions or conversions. I'm not really sure like how you classify it, but like realistically, like how many people are buying things because of your post or through your post? I'm sure it varies by platform and and everything like that. But I am really just curious, like how impactful you are in influencing people to, you know, press the buy button. I mean, it's, it's almost like hard for me to, to tell sometimes because I can only see from my end, how many people click the links. I can't see necessarily who's actually buying the product unless the brand is so kind and wants to share that with me. Um, but a lot of times, of course, brands or different affiliate programs don't want to share the actual number because maybe it's a lot higher than you, like I would even think it was. And then they don't want me to maybe take that number and then take it to someone else. So that's really my team's job to like do the digging and find out what actually sold and how many products sold and what day they sold and what posts they sold from. And that's their job is to really like navigate that side of things. And, um, I don't know an exact number. All I can say is I know it must do well because there's all these brands I've been working with now for like a few years. And so I would hope that it's doing well for them, or I would think they wouldn't want to work with me anymore. It is interesting. Like I, when I see different product um, price points, like what some people go for, some of my audience will go for versus what they won't go for at all. Like I can see with the link clicks exactly like what they're looking for and what they're not looking for, which has been really interesting and really helpful for me. And it's great that Instagram does give me those insights because I think without it, I would have no idea what I should be posting or what people actually wanted. And a lot of times I'll ask my audience um, on like an ask me anything to send in what they're looking for and be very, very specific. So they'll say, I have a wedding in Santa Barbara in June and it's black tie optional. And I'm supposed to wear this colorway and I want to keep it under $300. And that's actually so much more helpful for me because then I'm looking for that exact item for them and I know they're going to buy it because I'm, they're being as specific as possible. So that's been really, really helpful for me. And that's something new I've just been doing in the last year. Um, and I've seen a lot of success with those link clicks, but of course, because I do a lot of affiliate programs with reward style, shop style with split, I really test out all the affiliate programs to see which ones I'm getting the most cash back from and which ones people are actually using as my audience, which ones they find easiest to navigate. And that's kind of how I do those organic link clicks through affiliate programs. I wouldn't I would say to other creators out there, don't depend on affiliate links for monetization. Really try to cultivate those brand partners, long-term brand partnerships instead. Yeah. Like I know like affiliate rates can really vary, like depending on the brand, depending on the, the, you know, I guess affiliate platform that you're using and things like that. So it makes sense to like have deeper relationships set up with brands um, to really kind of solidify those deals in general. But I guess I'm also curious. So you, again, you already work on a lot of different platforms. You have audiences in a lot of areas. What are your thoughts on like YouTube or TikTok or um, like branching out into some of these, even like Pinterest, I think is getting more into that shopping space. Like, do you worry that you have to 
you know, be on all these other platforms? Like, do you feel like you have to kind of grow? Is it just too much to add in? I'm, I am like, I guess, wondering how extensive you feel like your net has to be cast. I think it's very overwhelming. I think there's so many different platforms to choose from and so many different people are successful on different ones because of whatever, for whatever reason, where their audience is looking and what their age range of their audience is, where they're from. Um, you know, there's so much that goes into it. What I would say to other creators out there and what I've done is pick one to two platforms that you are already, that you have seen success on and stick with those. So what I did was I put myself on Instagram. I put myself on TikTok. I put myself on Pinterest. I put myself on Twitter and I, you know, posted a lot of the similar content on all the platforms. And then I tried to see which one, which platforms were gaining a bigger traction, which ones had higher engagement. Cause I don't necessarily think it's about the amount of followers you have anymore at all. And I think brands know that now, especially brands that are, have been around for a while. It's really about the people that are engaging in your platform. So whether you have a million followers or whether you have 200,000 followers, your 200,000 followers could be buying and liking and clicking every product post you put. And if you have a million followers, only 200,000 followers might be doing that. And the brands can see that and they see like, okay, something isn't adding up. The engagement isn't working. So you're better off having a smaller following and have a much, and having a much higher engagement, um, to become successful in the industry. And everyone talks, all the brands and partner, uh, the people who work on the brand side, they know they, they're moving from different brands. They're talking to other people. They're talking to the affiliate programs. They know who is, you know, has a higher engagement and who doesn't. And it's, and it's pretty obvious to see when you're looking also at social media. So I would say for me, I, I tried to, I put myself on TikTok. It was not successful. <laughs> like that was not the platform for me. And I love watching TikToks. I love other people's TikToks. I love following TikTok, but it, it wasn't where I really found my audience was following. And I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't know if I gave it enough of a chance or try, but it just wasn't working for me. So I stopped posting on TikTok. I still follow people on TikTok and I just continue to create more on Instagram. So I find the same with YouTube. I personally haven't put myself yet on YouTube, but I know people are wildly successful on YouTube. And if that's what works for you and you're great at video editing and content and, you know, have the time and schedule to film and put your content on YouTube, I really feel like YouTube, Instagram, obviously TikTok, they're only getting bigger and bigger and more successful as the days go by. Yeah. That's fascinating about the the TikTok tryout mm-hmm. that you did. Um, <laughs> when did you, when did you like, I guess, do that test with TikTok? Was it like beginning of the pandemic? Very beginning of the pandemic. Yes. When everyone was putting themselves on TikTok and I was like, okay, I'll just take all my content from Instagram and put it on TikTok, which I realized wasn't the same, right? It wasn't what people wanted to see on TikTok. And I didn't have the time and space, even though it was during the pandemic to start creating more TikTok type of content because I was streaming full time. So while I was streaming on Amazon and setting up a whole Amazon content um, and studio from my childhood bedroom, I didn't have time to also create that content on TikTok. And so I took myself off of it. I'm uh, as a creator and still watch it like from a private account, not to say that I won't go on it in the future because I know my team would love me to go on it. My friends would love me to go on it, but we'll see. Let's see what happens when maybe I have a little more downtime to start creating more content on it. Absolutely. I feel like TikTok is such an interesting platform and you 
oftentimes I feel like you see TikTokers trying to do the same, like take their TikToks and put it on Instagram, right? Like try to yeah. do that like alternate route. Do you and it's use, totally different. It what people want to see. It is, say. and I feel like I feel like Instagram sometimes like if you're using like TikTok. Um, text or like uh sounds and things like that i feel like instagram sometimes is like don't do that but i'm i'm wondering they reject you, it yeah like do you use instagram reels or do you post similar content on instagram and does that work for you there so i do use instagram reels i use it mostly when brands are requesting a reel um rather than ju- just using like you know posting a video or posting on stories I don't personally love reels because I do think it is a copy again of TikTok and they really do reject like anytime you use the text or font or like just upload a TikTok from reels. I, I do think it's fun to watch short videos. I do love that. I don't, I find that reels like really cuts off the video that I've made and something is like wrong with the editing feature, but a lot of brands do request a reel. And I, sometimes I'll say to them, why don't I just create a video for you instead? It could be longer. It could be shot differently. And, but they want a reel because they know with Instagram and with every platform out there, they are, they are giving you points like the Instagram nucleus is saying, oh, she used reels today. She used stories today. She used a location tag. She, and like everything equals a point and that's how your algorithm goes up. So the brands know that they want to get in with the algorithm. They want to be on the top of it. And so of course you have to like comply with some of it to, to continue and have a higher algorithm. But, um, I really just think as a creator, you have to stick to who you are and your truth and your where what your bread and butter is and what you're good at what your content is because you don't need to be everything for everyone you can just be something for that someone and your following should be the same type of people that like watching what you like to watch or what you like to create in the last couple minutes curious i mean you've already given a lot of really great advice to people who might be in the early stages of being a creator or even like people working with creators but What's maybe another last final kind of send off piece of advice that you have either for, you know, influencers or even marketers when you're working with, you know, brands and things like that? I think my biggest piece of advice, I feel like I always share this, but it's really still stays, it it holds true today is if you want something, ask for it. The worst anyone is going to say is no. So if you want a bigger budget from a creator brand partnership, ask for the bigger budget, say that you show your metrics, show what you have done for other brands and how successful it's been. The worst the brand is going to come back and say is no, we don't have that budget or no, we can't do that this month. Um, yeah, if you, if you want to, you know, sign with an agency, go up to the agency, ask if they're looking to hire, share, again, share your insights, share your platforms with them. The worst anyone will ever say is no. And don't create a story in your head that someone's going to shut you down before you even go forward and ask for it. Great advice. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're creating it on so many different platforms that it's just fascinating to hear about all of them. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. It's so much fun. I don't even know where the time went. It's been like 45 minutes and I feel like it was five minutes. (laughs) And thank you for listening to the Digiday podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. Mm